You are listening to For His Glory, a sermon series exploring God's grace in the book of Romans, preached by Dr. Trent Stewart. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. It's good to see you guys here today. I hope you brought your Bibles. I'm excited about what God is going to share with us. We're talking about uh, God taking us deeper, uh, God growing us deeper. Um, we're talking about stepping out in, in, in unknown territory sometimes. And I think this scripture um, is actually going to begin to do that because uh, for many of you, today is going to be challenging. Today is, is going to kind of challenge some of your beliefs and some of the things that you grew up learning and knowing about uh, in church. And so I, wanna, I just want you to begin to pray now that God would allow you to begin to receive the things that he wants you to share. And uh, hey, Robert, will you take that off the screen? That's really bugging me. Um, <clears throat> thank you. There we go. So the deal is, how, how should Christians like interact with each other when we disagree. Um, Because here's the truth. Um, There are three different kinds of people in this room today. There's the the unchristian. Some of you are just kind of checking Christianity out. Maybe you just started coming back to church for a season, uh, just kind of figuring things out and kind of checking it out. We know that you're here and glad that you're here. And then there's the other two folks are, are the believer who is weak in his or her faith. And then there are those who are strong in his or her faith. And so um, for the most part, if you're strong in your faith, then you're the person who's discipling other people. You're sharing your faith with other people. You bring people to church and, and you're, you're, you're bringing lost people uh, to church. And so as a result of strong people uh, and strong people in their faith doing what they do, there's naturally going to be people who either don't have faith or who are weak in their faith in the church. And so every Sunday, we, we try to minister to those who are strong in their faith and, and need you know, deep truth. And then we try to minister to those who are weak in their faith or who maybe don't even have faith yet. And so in a church, there should always be that dynamic of strong in their faith, weak in their faith, and just kind of checking things out, not quite a Christian yet. If it's a healthy church, there's going to be those different groups in the church. If if there's only strong people uh, or so-called strong people in their faith, and there's no weaker or younger people in their faith, actually the stronger people aren't really strong at all. They're inward focused and they're not doing what God has called them to do. Therefore, um, it kind of disrupts the whole thing. And, and if you've got just a bunch of young Christians, then, then, then it's, it's a lot more difficult because you're trying to grow them and they're not really diving in deeper. But the reality is a healthy church is going to have groups of people in each section. And so with that comes uh, different opinions. Um, how many of you guys have ever had a, have had a disagreement with somebody in your family? Raise your hand. Let me see your hands. <clears throat> Everybody. Okay. How many of you guys have ever had a disagreement uh, with somebody in, in the church that you're attending? Anybody ever have that? So that happens uh, quite, quite frequently. I mean, if you're in a church where everybody agrees upon everything and there's never any tension and there's never any, you know, any disagreements about anything at all, you need to step back for a second because one of two things is happening. You know, either A, you're with a bunch of people that are liars and they're not like being honest and they're just like pretending everything is cool when it's not. Or secondly, you're in a cult. I mean, so you take your pick. It's either one or the other, but if you're in a, an evangelical church who, who believes in Jesus Christ and follows Jesus and follows this book, there's going to be a difference of opinions. And so let's just 
realize that to, to, when we talk about unity, unity doesn't mean that we agree about every single you know, question in life. That is unrealistic, okay? You with me? If you're with me, just throw out a little I'm with you or uh, amen. Okay, you're with me. You're awake. Okay, so as we think about this, we want to look at, at Romans 14 because here in this passage, Paul uh, specifically deals with uh, some disagreements that the church in Rome is is having. And so it wasn't just Rome. It was the, there was a city called Colossae and Paul wrote a letter to the church that was in that city. And we call it Colossians. Uh, Same issues. There was a city called Corinth and Paul wrote two letters to that church in that city. Same issues. Um, There was a church in a city called um, Galatia. And so uh, we call that, that book or that letter that he wrote Galatians and same issues in that church. So all throughout the, the, the early church, they dealt with the same three issues. They argued about it. They all had different opinions about it. And the issues were diets. What are we allowed to eat? Days. What days should we be worshiping Jesus and should we be keeping the Sabbath and all that? And drink. Are we allowed to drink alcohol or are we not allowed to drink alcohol? And so no matter where you fall on those issues, that was a struggle then. That were, those were the issues that they were dealing with. And so what Paul begins to talk to us about here is when it is not an essential doctrine, then we need to find unity and accept one another. And that's, so that's kind of the whole point of today. That in the Bible, we have everything that we need for salvation, uh, living a godly life, all the information that we need to do that, the answers that we have, the, the, like the, the deepest desires and uh, questions that we have are answered in this book. However, there are some things in the world that the Bible does not specifically speak to. Like, is it okay to wear jeans? Is it okay to have holes in your jeans? Ladies, is it okay for you to wear makeup? Um, is it okay, like, to... You know, mow the grass on Sunday. God forbid. Some of you are already freaking out. You know, you know what, what are those deals? Is it okay to, to have birth control? I mean, it's not in the Bible. Some Christians say it's totally, you know, that's anti-God. You're playing God. You can't do that. Some people just, you know, that's their horse in there. Some people, it's the translation of the Bible that they use. And the KJV is the only real translation of the Bible, you know, and they, they fight for that and they think everybody else, you know, is, is wrong. So when we come to these situations, we need to have an opinion. Okay. And and we're going to see that Paul actually advocates, have an opinion, do something about, have a conviction one way or another, think through it, understand it and have a conviction. And then at the same time, he tells us how we're supposed to interact with each other when we do have a disagreement on one of these things. And so the point a lot of times, or, or, or not the point, but unfortunately, a lot of times in the church, when we have a disagreement about tobacco, you know, tobacco is evil. And so if you do that, then you're sinful. And then everybody over here, like my grandfather is a tobacco farmer and, and, and he's been doing that for years. Without that, you know, we'd be in poverty. That's the only thing he knows. And so, so in reality, what ends up happening with those two families is they criticize and judge each other instead of lovingly accept each other on issues that the Bible doesn't directly speak to. And so that's really the point. Um, There's an old motto, nobody really can give credit to any particular person. Uh, Some people do, but it's kind of debated. But the statement is this, and, and here's one of the big ideas for today. In matters of faith, unity. In matters of faith, unity. In matters of opinion, 
liberty, and in all things, love. So that's kind of that's the, the direction that we're going today, that in, in, in matters of faith, we find unity. In matters of opinion, we find liberty. But in all things, we have love. And so I just kind of tweaked that a little bit. Um, and and here's, here's the big idea today, if you're taking notes. When opinions collide, learn to abide. <laughs> it rhymes in everything. <laughs> when, when, when opinions collide, learn to abide. That's the whole point of today. Now, let's, let's just back up for a second. Don't take that, that uh, sentence out of context from where we're going to be at in Scripture today. So like, if God calls it a sin in the Bible, it's sin. There's no opinion about that. There's no dispute about that. We don't argue about that. If he calls it sin, adultery is sin, lying is sin, cheating is sin. It's like, we, we know these things are clear in scripture. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about matters that are unclear. He doesn't specifically say you've got to do this or to do that. And so with those situations, we have to have a framework a biblical framework of, 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 of everything from Genesis to Revelation to be able to form an opinion on what is the wise decision to make. And when I begin to process different situations and, and different things that are going on in culture and the Bible doesn't speak directly to it, then I form a conviction, an opinion based on how I understand God and how I understand the Bible. Now, as I pray through that and work through that, it might be different than the conclusion that you come to. And in those matters, the Bible says, hey, when opinions collide, learn to abide. And so that's really the point of today, how you and I are to do this. A few other things that people debate, and just to kind of help you get your mind going. Uh, Playing cards for some Christians is a complete sin. You know, it's a complete sin. Um, Doing Halloween is sin. You know, it's wrong to, to do Halloween. Um, and by the way, last year at this time, we did a sermon um, on like, we, we talked specifically, should we accept Halloween or not Halloween? You can request that in the cafe if you want to catch up on that. Um, there are other things though. Are we allowed to watch movies, uh, TV? The Bible doesn't say, you know, it's okay to watch PG movies, but not PG-13. So you have to have an opinion about it. You see where I'm going? Is everybody with me? Shake your head if you're with me, if you're awake. Okay, let's, let's move on. Um, so what's the solution? Um, I believe that he tells us to accept each other, to love each other, to not judge each other and not be critical of each other. Because in the early church here, as they fought about what days to celebrate, whether alcohol was okay, um, as they fought about, you know, can you eat red meat uh, or just vegetables? You know, that was a debate. Um, and so when he says they have different opinions, they were obviously fighting and being judgmental and critical. If they would have just held their own opinion and conviction, wouldn't have been an issue, but they weren't. They were being judgmental and critical. And so the solution here is what I believe God shares with us. The Bible's very clear on these issues. So let's look at chapter 14, verse one. We're, we're prepped and ready for this. All right, here we go. Remember, you got to keep an open mind because some of you are already uncomfortable, aren't you? There's already tension. You're like, oh man, he said tobacco. Man. All right, here we go. Verse one. As for the one who is weak in faith. Okay, so there we go. Category number one, those who are weak in their faith. Welcome him, accept him, embrace him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Some of your translations say disputable matters, things that aren't specifically addressed in the Bible. That's what he's talking about. Verse two, one person believes he may eat anything 
while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. God has accepted him. Verse four, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. All right, a lot in this passage. Um, Let's go through it. First of all, the two groups of people here are the weak and the strong. And so the weak are abstaining from meat. They're not eating meat, they're vegetarians. And they're doing that because they think that abstaining is gonna give glory to God. The strong are eating red meat, they're eating bacon. I mean, they're, they're eating everything at this point. Um, <clears throat> the weak are setting aside certain days as more holy than other days. Um, they're they're, they're kind of on this trip about the Sabbath and, and they're keeping the Sabbath holy in, in different ways in their minds. They think that they're bringing glory to God in that way. And then in verse 21, um, as we'll, we'll hit this next week when he talks about alcohol, but those are all the issues that they're dealing with. And he separates them. You know, here's the weak, here's what they do, and here's the strong, and here's what they are experiencing. So why does he call them weak? Because I want to know if, 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 if God were to call me weak in anything, I would want to know because I don't want to be weak, you know. So, so why does he call him weak? And the bottom line is, as you read through this, they are weak because they believe that if they abstain from certain foods, they're going to be holier. They're going to give God more glory. If they um, celebrate certain days of the year, if they um, you know, honor certain days as holy, then they're going to bring more glory to God, which is going to make them holier or, or closer to God. And Paul says that that mentality is causing them to be weak. Now, in the framework of this early church, this has got to be I mean, you, you've got to really empathize with where they're at. They've been following the Jewish laws and culture and religion their entire life. And so in this Jewish rules system, the Sabbath was holy and you had to keep it holy. I mean, it was one of the Ten Commandments, a biggie. But when you look at the law, there are a hundred different types of ways to keep it holy. So I'm not allowed to pick grain on the, on the Sabbath. If my, you know, oxen falls in a ditch, I'm not allowed to get him out. 
And so there was all these rules of here's what you can do and here's what you can't do. Very, very confusing. Um, And so these folks who were Jewish now are Jewish Christians following Jesus. They're bringing these old traditions and these old laws into their relationship with God. And they're just confused and frustrated. And Paul calls them weak for honoring those former ways. Um, in In the city markets where they would buy meat, uh, most of the time, uh, these uh, items, whether it be a bird or, a, or, or cow or whatever animal it was, was sacrificed to a pagan god and then sold into the market. And so as a Jewish person, it was unclean to eat something that was sacrificed to an idol. Um, and then there were all kinds of food and dietary laws that the Jews followed as well. Uh, they weren't allowed to eat pork and uh, many other things that they weren't allowed to do or weren't allowed to touch. And so they become followers of Jesus. They bring all of this tradition in. They're very confused. And Paul, Paul really kind of unpacks it bit by bit and helps us understand because in reality, they faced it then. And folks, we still face some of these same issues because we still think that certain foods are sin. But that's just sinful to eat that. You know, have you ever said that? Um, and then some, especially in our health crazed society today, you know, some people are getting on bandwagons and kind of turning their nose up. If you were to eat that certain food or, or, or that certain uh, diet, you can't drink that and everything causes cancer now. And so, so it's like, what can I eat and what can I do? So we, we kind of develop some of that. Um, and so granted, we, you know, we got to watch what we eat and all that kind of stuff. And that there's some truth to that. But saying that, you know, sin and, and being judgmental, that's where we have to be careful. On certain days, as, as we'll talk about here, um, these were the issues that they were facing. So realize this, um, they, the weak in their faith were not in sin. So these are not unbelievers. These are, are, are Christians who believe in Jesus. Their faith is just weak. So that if you decide today that eating meat uh, is, is not good for you and you have the conviction that you're going to be a vegetarian, then for the glory of God, be a vegetarian and, and, and go that route. Um, I'm just, just, just don't call other people sinful if, if they are not going to follow those same rules. Because I mean bacon. I'm just telling you, I'll give up a lot of things, but I'm not giving up bacon. Just saying. All right. So they were believers. Um, they believed that what they were doing was honoring the Lord. It says that they were giving thanks to God and they were honoring God for the way in which they were, were dealing with this. But could the root of this be legalism? Well, it's kind of debatable, but I, I really believe that a lot of this could be Legalism. Now, a legalist would say, I have to do this and this in order to earn my salvation or in order to keep my salvation. So I've got to dress a certain way. I've got to abstain from certain things. I've got to go here and do this at, the, at this time and that time. And if I don't do this list of do's and, and, I, and I don't keep the don'ts out of my life, then maybe I lost my salvation or, or, or maybe I never was saved. And so that, that's all that kind of confusing. And then, and then the legalists would look at other people and say, well, because you go see rated R movies and because you don't dress up and because you don't have this translation, because you don't do the Lord's Supper every week, because you don't keep the Sabbath holy or whatever, then, you know, we're holier than you. Uh, we know more than you. You are the liberal who has lost his way. We are the conservative, the only ones who truly understand it and get it. And so that's the tension here. And so legalism is very real in the church today. 
Uh, maybe you were raised in a very rules-driven uh, mentality of who God is. That if you don't do this, and if you don't show up here and wear that, then you're, you're sinful, you're losing it. And if you were to ever, you know, make a make and fall into or do something that's on the don't list, then the accusation is you lost your salvation or, you know, you're, un, you're unclean, you know, whatever. And so this whole guilt-ridden mentality of faith is in your heart. And I'm just telling you, I have tried to counsel and work with many a people who have legalism in their heart, and it is a hard issue to get rid of. But Paul speaks directly to it. As we continue, you'll see. Sometimes I believe that we're unwilling to accept the Bible for what it is. And we're more willing to hold on to tradition and rules that mom and dad taught us or that a church taught us instead of reading our Bibles for ourselves and understanding it for ourselves. What we're going to talk about today I guarantee the majority of you have never heard a sermon on Romans 14. What I'm going to say today is going to freak many of you out. And what you're going to understand from God's word is going to make you uncomfortable. So here's the, here's the encouragement on a side note here. Different sermon. This is for free. Man, you got to know your Bible. You got to know what's in here. You got to read it. You got to understand it. Because you might be guilty of the same things that were passed on to you, giving people this list of of do's and don'ts, confusing and putting people in bondage to legalism when the scriptures never intended it to be that way. And see, that's the danger. Kids grow up in legalism and then they rebel against God in the church because they think God is all about rules and this list of all these things I can't do when in fact that is not the case at all. So it's really, really important. Know your Bible. Let's see what it says. Here's a verse I want to read in 1 Corinthians, if you'll put that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us, there's one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So here are the essential doctrines. There, there are these and many more. We talk about them in base camp. Here are the things that you must agree to to be a believer in Jesus and to hold uh, to an understanding of a biblical God and the Bible and to be a partner of this church. And, and then there's a whole list of, of non-essentials that we can have a disagreement on and we cannot necessarily see eye to eye on. And that's okay. Let's go to the next verse. <clears throat> However, not all possess this knowledge. And so that's the thing we want to, we've got to learn, you know, we've got to have the knowledge and learn from God's word before we can begin to work it out and live it and understand it and follow it. We have to know that knowledge, but some through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So same issue here. And and, and here it says some through a former association with idols. So that's an important statement because we deal with that as well. We have a former association with alcohol. We have a former association with the way that we dress or the makeup that we don't use. We have a former association about how, you know, what translation or how long our hair is or whatever the issue is. And because of that former issue, we begin to put on ourselves today and on our kids and other people all these rules when what we have to do is, again, go back to our Bibles, see what God says about it. 
our former associations mess with us. Let's go to the next verse. So some people are eating food offered to idols. Their conscience is defiled. Next verse, please. Verse eight. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Food will not commend us to God, he says. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So again, he goes to the point, food is not going to make you holy. What you abstain from is not going to make you holy in the matter of food. And if you eat it, it's, it's like makes no difference. Verse nine says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So, so he wraps this concept up and this is where we're going to be next week. So the freedom is that red meat is on the menu, baby. It's okay. Praise God. Some of you men in here were sweating that when you were like, dude, is he going to say that I can't go to Longhorns anymore? Because if so, I'm leaving this church, you know, I'm going to Outback. Um, so, so he, 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 he tells us we are free to eat red meat. Okay. We're, we're free to eat whatever meat. But at the same time, if it causes a brother to stumble, then sometimes those who are strong in their faith have to give up some freedom in order to bless and encourage those who are weaker. That's where we're going to be next week. So this is like a two-part uh, sermon, but it's actually one sermon. So, so you have to be here next week to kind of get the full circle. So everybody has to promise to be here next week, because if you don't get next week, then it's not going to be complete, and you're still going to have questions, and you'll be messed up. So you got to come, all right? So... How are we supposed to respond with all this is true and we have different opinions? Here's what he says. Verse one tells us very clearly, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him and don't quarrel over opinions. So if you're taking notes, how are we supposed to treat each other when we disagree? Number one is to accept believers who have a different opinion. Accept believers. That means to welcome them and to befriend them. So we accept them as friends. We don't, you know, Heisman, you know, stiff arm people who have a different opinion and, and avoid them. He tells us to welcome them, to accept them and, and don't argue over opinions. And so here's the other side to this. Sometimes we welcome them in so that we can bombard them with our opinion and then win them over. You know what? Yeah, let's get them in there. They don't, they don't, they don't dress the right way, but that's okay. We're, we're going to accept them. And then as soon as they get in, hey, glad you're here. You know, we just don't do jeans, okay? We don't do hair that way. Makeup is off the list. And then their list and their arguments and their opinions start coming out. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. is this opinion or is this Bible? We've got to know the difference between the two. And he calls us to be able to maintain friendships despite our opinions. So here's the points that he's made. Let's, let's keep looking here. He says, the one who eats is not to despise the one who does not eat. So the one who is partaking of the red meat is called not to despise the one who has said, you know what? I'm going to abstain. Because here's the reality. If you are one who is, who is enjoying a certain liberty or freedom as a believer, your tendency is to look at those other people who think that what you're doing is a sin and you're, you're tempted to look at them and to not like them and to despise them and to want to say things like, you know what, they just don't get it. And we begin to develop a spiritual elitism like, you know what, we're better than they are and we understand scripture and we know Jesus more than those little guys do over there. And, and he says, I don't want you to be that way. I don't want you to, to despise people that don't enjoy the same freedom that you have. I want you to embrace them. And then he says, 
The one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does. So those who are abstaining from red meat and who are abstaining from certain things for, you know, to, to, in their mind to honor God, they have the tendency to judge other Christians. Well, they don't dress like us, so therefore we're better than them. And they go to that church and they have the lights that move and it has big screens and they, they have drums. And so our church, we get it. I mean, we're just, we are Bible-based, bro. We don't do it that way, okay? You see how this judgmental, we're better than they are because we have this list and we abide by that list and they don't. So we're better. See how that works? Ah, makes me cringe. Can't stand that, you know? Can't stand either one. And, And at the same time, I see that in my own heart, sometimes that begins to develop. So it's so important for us to work through this. Paul's point is for us to have unity. We have to accept each other when we have different opinions. And sometimes if others aren't just like us, you know, we don't want to pursue a friendship with them. We don't want to, you know, attend the the party that they're going to. We want to avoid them because they're unholy. And, And he says, look, we can't act that way. We are called to overcome ourselves and to show love and accept other people. Now, Again, I want to say, when the Bible is specific about something that is sinful, then we don't, we're, not, we're not called to accept sin, okay? Make sure everybody is grasping that. We're never called to accept sin. As believers, we want to confront sin in a loving way to help restore relationships with each other and restore relationships with God. Um, but when, he, when there's issues that aren't, you know, this is a sin in the Bible, that again is the issue. So, they're also talking about special days. So is it, is it okay to celebrate certain days that the Jewish holidays might represent, days of fasting, days of, 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 of celebrating, and those kinds of things? And so let's just kind of make it practical to us. Is it um, biblical or, or good to celebrate Thanksgiving? That is an American holiday. Um, and, and so it started off, you know, Thanksgiving, we're going to thank God. Now it's, you know, kind of transitioning more secular. It's Turkey Day and it's just food now. So are we as Christians, you know, sh- is it right to celebrate an American holiday we call Thanksgiving? Now, for most of you, you're going to be like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, there's a group of people that would say, you know what? It's Turkey Day. It's not what it was intended to be. So we're not going to do it the way that the world does it. And, and so they abstain from it. Now, what's right and what's wrong? Well, if you're the person that says, you know what? We're going to abstain from celebrating this you know, holiday, this November. We're not going to do Thanksgiving. We thank God and we're thankful for God every day. We don't need one day to, to eat turkey and, and, and to be thankful you know, for, for God on just that one day, then I would say, okay, that's cool. That's where you want to be. Myself, I'm going to eat my body weight in turkey and pumpkin pie. That's just who I am. And I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving for the glory of Jesus. And I'm going to celebrate that holiday. Okay. So you see the example. It can go in various different ways. Some people don't celebrate Christmas, you know, because Christmas is now secular and it's all about giving gifts and it's not about Jesus. And they, they've taken Jesus out of Christmas. So we're not going to celebrate Christmas. If you don't want to celebrate with, by giving gifts, more power to you. But I would love to have a gift card to Lowe's. And so I'm going to bless my kids and doggone it, they better bless me with something too. Uh, he says that's how we celebrate. Um, and, so, and so the idea again is, is opinions and how we deal with these things. So 
Why should we embrace and welcome them as friends? And so he continues, verses three through nine. Look at verse three again. Um, The end of verse three. He says, abstain, uh, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. So why should we welcome them? Because God has welcomed them. And if God welcomes them, who are you to reject them? So that if somebody is a believer in Jesus and they have a different opinion about you, he says, don't reject their friendship or their fellowship in your church because they have a different opinion. He says, because God has accepted them. They're believers in Jesus Christ. God has accepted them. Verse four, look at verse four again, because this is really cool. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? He goes to the servant master mentality because I, you know, I am a, I'm a slave to Jesus. And so I give account to him and him only. And that's his point here. Who are you to pass judgment on another servant? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be, this is it, he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. He will be upheld. The Lord will make him stand. This is a a direct um, teaching on what we would call the perseverance of the saints, that a truly uh, born again believer in Jesus Christ who's decided and, and has a true decision to follow Jesus cannot lose that salvation. Why? Because we don't earn it. We don't do anything to get it. Therefore, it is God who gives it and it's God who sustains it. Verse four points to that very issue. It is God who will uphold our salvation and it is the Lord who is able to make him stand. So a sin that I commit is not gonna make me fall from God's grace. I'm gonna sin. I'm just telling you, it happens, you know? It, it, it happens and I hate it when it happens, but just like you, I'm a sinful person and I, I wanna overcome those things in my life, but doggone it, they happen. And so that sin doesn't allow me to lose my salvation because a true believer is going to want to overcome that and grow closer to Christ in that. So he says that he's going to make us stand. I think this is here because the judgmental Christian who is weak in their faith will look at somebody who is wearing certain clothing or doing certain things and out of their judgmentalism will say, that person is, I, I thought they were a good person. I thought they believed in Jesus. I thought they were a Christian, but I saw them painting their house on Sunday. Can you believe that? They have fallen from grace. They have lost it. They have lost their way to the Lord and we need to pray for their salvation. You know, it's like, what? But that happens on grander scales as well. Those kinds of things happen because the judgmental Christian sees these things that that are on their do and don't list and, and they begin to say things like, well, they've lost their salvation. And God says, that's God who is allowing that to stand firm. Secondly, God's received them. What's another reason we should? Because God will be my judge, not you. God will be my judge, not you. Verses 10 through 12 go through this great elaborate understanding that it is God. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It is before God that I will give an account, verse 12. It is not before you that I give an account. You will not give an account to me as your pastor. You, every person in this room, will give an account for their life to their creator. 
And so why should we accept others who have a different opinion? Because God is their judge, not you. You're not called to be their judge. Some have the attitude that, listen, don't come to our church until you get certain areas of your life cleaned up. You know, some of you actually thought that. You thought, well, man, I'd love to go to church, but I just have this sin that I keep dealing with and I can't go to church until I get that part of my life cleaned up. And I'm just here to tell you that the church is a, is a hospital for sinners. Amen. And that's what it should be about. It, it's not a, a, a hotel for saints. It should be a place where hurting people can come in and not feel judged, but feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we should be a group of people that, that would never accept sin into somebody's life, but I would never like reject somebody as a friend because they don't believe in Jesus. Like our whole purpose in going to the DR uh, Dominican, when they went down there, you know, it's not to knock on doors and, and when people, you know, want to accept Jesus, pray the prayer and then leave and high five and, and mark things down. And if they say no, then we're disappointed. We run away because the decision on that person's part is not the driving force. I'm not only there to get yeses and I'm mad when I get no's. I'm there because I love people. I'm called to love people. I'm called to share the gospel. Sometimes our motivation is to get a number or to get a baptism and that's wrong. Our motivation should be to love, to be to, to want to accept as, as friends. And so, so I'm, not, I'm friends with my neighbors and friends with people who are, who are not believers, not, not so I can get a number and get somebody baptized and have a good story. I want them to know Jesus, but I'm not going to end that friendship if they continue to reject my invitation to come to church. I'm not going to end that friendship. I'm still going to befriend them and hang out with them and love on them. God will be our judge. Not them. Verse 5 talks about the disagreement over days. Now, man, <clears throat> I, I can't talk about the Sabbath today, uh, but in short, when we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament law is, is the Old Covenant. Jesus comes, he fulfills the Old Testament, and now we have a new covenant. Is it okay to mow your grass on Sunday? Yes. Is it a sin to work on Sunday? No. Um, can you get your ox out of the ditch if he falls in it today? Yeah, do that. Get him out of there. Poor guy. You know, so <clears throat> here, here's the thing. If you're the Sabbath and, and here's the thing I got a question. What's okay to do on Sunday and what's not okay? I mean, is it okay to eat lunch and make your food, you know, make dinner? Because that could be considered work, couldn't it? My wife thinks it is, you know, she's like, I ain't cooking today, you know. So, so is that, well then, okay, so we're not going to, we're not going to cook dinner because that would be work on the Sabbath. So let's just go to KFC and make some other poor person sin. Glad <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not me, bro. Hook me up with some chicken, you know? You might be going to hell, but I'm not. I mean, seriously, think about the logic in that. The Bible is very clear. It's very logical, okay? So, so Jesus came to fulfill the, the, the law. So the point of the Sabbath today is that we don't need one day specifically to rest in God. We have every day to rest in Jesus. We don't have to work for our salvation. We don't have to work to be in a right relationship with God. Jesus already did the work. So therefore he has fulfilled the Sabbath. And now you and I get to enjoy rest every day. That's the power of the new covenant. Now, the application to our world is that we are, you know, we're serious about work. And so we're workaholics. 
So the principle that we have to take away from the Sabbath teaching is that there needs to be time in your life where you rest, where you disengage from technology, from a health standpoint, um, health standpoint, disengage from technology, slow down, be able to spend time with God, be able to spend time with family. That's important just from a relational standpoint. But from a Sabbath standpoint, every day ought to be an opportunity for you to rest in your salvation with Jesus Christ. Man, that's good news. That's not a law that, that you've got to drag around and worry about today. You know, I always, always thought that was weird when I was young too, because like out of everybody that worked on Sunday, my dad's a pastor. So, you know, everybody talking about can't work on the Sabbath and all this. I'm like, dang, my dad's, he's a sinner. You know, he works every Sunday, man. He works his tail off from, from 6 a.m. to like 10 o'clock at night, man. Ah, you know, so here's the deal. Legalism can be very confusing for Christian. Some of you are confused on some issues and, and maybe even today you're just kind of uneasy. And I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, man, keep working. Keep, keep understanding. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep walking down this path. Keep connecting here at Foothills Church. Don't, don't just get a yes or no answer on one of your soapbox, uh, soapbox issues and then never come back. Like work through the Bible, Let us help you understand it. Let us share our opinions. Your opinion might be different. As long as it's not a doctrinal thing, we're going to accept each other, love each other, and not judge one another. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.